what they believed in the face. everybody welcome to the element of surprise my name is chad suet i'm your host ah, we are two days away from thanksgiving i'm sitting in the glow of my christmas tree lights and of course that means there's only one thing to discuss the terminator and robocop of course if you thought it was anything else well you came to the wrong place but before we get there before we get there we've got some other topics to discuss tonight um, number one of course let's get to the basics you know where can you find us go to www.facebook.com backslash EOS mentally irregular that's our Facebook page uh, like us review us join the element of surprise group there uh, check us out on Podomatic at uh, eosmentallyirregular.podomatic.com. we got all our episodes up there. And if you need to get in touch with me and you can't do so through the Facebook page, email me at element.2017 at yahoo.com. Um, I do check it periodically. Uh, it's been like three months since I checked it, though. So if you have been trying to get in touch with me through that and I haven't gotten back to you, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just lazy. Um, okay, so tonight is all about RoboCop versus the Terminator. Um, this whole concept... Well, uh, let me let me start again this i've thought about this particular fight for a long time way more than i should have i've used up way way too much free time and way too much brain power deciding who would win a robocop versus terminator matchup and what what would go down how it would get to be that these two titans uh cyber cybernetic titans would come to, to clash with each other and uh but really what egged me on to do this particular episode is if you listen to um a fireside chat uh, with Ryan McCormick, his last episode, he did like a mailbag, you asked him some questions, and he would answer them, and I asked him the question, what would you rather be, a RoboCop or a Terminator? And, uh, you know, he actually gave a really detailed, well-thought-out answer to it, which I'm not going to spoil for you here. If you want to hear the answer, go listen to the episode. And, um, you know, it led me into it. I'm like, you know what, what, who would win? And I started thinking about it again, and so I came up with this, which we'll get to. But first, we got other topics. Um, I've been building... Legos a lot with my son. Um, it's one of the things that I. Uh, it's one of those things that you know I just started doing. He was building it one one day his Legos, and I just sat down with him. I started building Legos too, and it's one of those things where it's just you know it, all your tension and stress just goes away. You can just focus absent-mindedly on just you know pure creation. It doesn't matter what you're creating, what you're building. You can take the bricks and just put them together in any way, shape, or form that you that you imagine that you see fit and you know it's it's just fun it's just pure pure fun and that's something that me and him enjoy it's a good bonding experience for the two of us and uh, one of my favorite things is that I'll I will painstakingly spend time building like a uh, you know like a skyscraper or like a like an electronic looking uh, like you know Star Wars type like you know 
uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a control room. Like it looks like the Lego version of the control room that they would be in when they fired the laser from the Death Star. And I'll, I'll spend like two hours on this, picking out the right the right Lego bricks and the right cogs and everything to put together to make it work. And, you know, it'll have a light that actually spins and everything like this. And then I show my son, he immediately smashes it into tiny bits. He takes all of my hard work and he destroys it right before my eyes. And I think that's a real good visual metaphor for what, children are is just breaking down everything their parents have done and forging their own path which is both heartbreaking and amazing at the same time if there there, there's not enough words to describe the emotions that you know really i feel whenever i see him destroy something that i worked so very hard at but uh you know, he does that a lot with the drawings. On the, we have a whiteboard with uh, dry erase markers that we draw on too, and I'll I'll work like I'll draw like a really detailed, intricate like picture that's like photorealistic, and I'll take like three or four hours on it. And he'll I'll be Anakin, look at this. What do you think of this, buddy? And he'll come up and he'll grab the eraser and he'll just erase my work right in front of me. Three hours of my blood, sweat, and tears down the drain, and he just erases it. It's gone. But that's life. Such is life. You know. Poof. No need to worry about it anymore, because it's gone. That's a direct quote. Words of wisdom from an old friend known as Artie the One Man Party. There's no point worrying about that anymore, because it's gone. Uh, moving on, moving on. Uh, oh, wait, 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 before I move on, I can't, I can't forget this. Uh, apparently my son is in this phase now where he's interested in, like, you know... That, that phase where kids go through where they're interested in being like a doctor and like taking people's temperature and stuff like that. So he, he comes up to, to me and his mom earlier, uh, just earlier today, and he goes, here, do this. And he pretends to take our temperature and he pretends to listen to our heartbeats and everything. And then uh, he's, reading, he's reading our temperatures on, the fake, on his fake thermometer toy. And he goes, oh, dad, you are really hot. And I say, that's what she said. And he, and you know, he doesn't get it because he's six. And uh, he's like, wow, you got a real bad temperature. You're sick. I go, oh, yeah, buddy, how hot am I? What's my temperature? He goes, you're 110 degrees. I'm like, I got a temperature of 109 degrees. His mom looks at me and goes, holy shit, dad, you're burning up. You need to go to the fucking hospital. So he takes her temperature, and she was 160. And we started laughing. That, that fire was jerting out of her mouth as she was describing her symptoms, and her eyes were literally melting out of her skull. But, you know, and he didn't. To him, that's a regular temperature. That's That means you're sick, is that uh, you're, you're 160 degrees and bursting into flames. You know, your, your skin's melting off your face like like you just opened the Ark of the Covenant. But, uh, you know, that's just that's fine for him. That's just a regular symptom. It happens to everybody. Uh, but uh, moving on, I'm sitting here, I'm watching Monday Night Raw, and I'm listening to Booker T do his announcing with Michael Cole and Corey Graves. And, just you know, the way Booker talks about things is like he's in the know, but he also is nonsensical. So what I'm going to do for you is completely unrehearsed, completely unprepared. I'm going to do Booker T stories. Like right now... It is the date is the 20th of November 2017. I'm sitting here watching The Miz defend the Intercontinental title against Roman Reigns and listen to Booker T. And the way he talks about The Miz is like they're friends and he like sneaks up on him and shit. So here are some Booker T stories. I'm going to do my Booker T impression for you right now. 
oh, that there, the Miz, you know, one thing I always wonder is I go outside my house this Christmas morning. My kids is opening their presents. Shawmel is inside. She's making me a hot plate of scramby eggs. I'm like, what's the... <laughs> I'm like, I think to myself, what's the Miz doing right now? I jump in my car. I drive from my house, Houston, Texas, all the way out to Miz's house, Hollywood, California, unannounced Christmas Day. I get there. Miz is sitting around. He He's just sitting there enjoying his Christmas holiday with friends and family. I go up and knock on the door. He comes. He's like, hey, book, what are you doing in my house? It's Christmas. I'm like, I just wanted to see what the fat man who's jolly brought you from his beard sack down your chimney. Miz is like, what the hell, book? I don't understand what you just said. I'm like, sucker. I get back in my car. I drive back down to Houston, Texas. So that's one Booker T story about him and the Miz. Um, I know Booker T used to have a thing for Daniel Bryan. Like, he always used to say, oh, that's my boy, D. Bryan. D. Bryan, like, they were close. Like, they were buddies. Really close buddies who hung out all the time. And I imagine it would go like this. Man, one time we was getting ready for WWE event, Cole. Corey Graves, I got to tell you, we was getting ready for an event. It was the night after Monday Night Raw. We'll go back to the hotel room. I go to bed, in my bed, in a king-size suite fit for Booker T. King Booker! I wake up the next morning and go downstairs on the elevator in the hotel. What do I see when I get off the elevator? There's my boy D. Brian. He's eating some breakfast. He's got himself something smelling good. I go over. I'm like, D. Brian, what you eat for breakfast, sucker? Was that a bowl of cereal? He says, no, it's a cut book. This is complimentary cinnamon swirls. I'm like, cinnamon swirls, here's a spinning rooney for your swirls. And I do a spinning rooney on the table. My boy D. Brian, he was chuckling his buns. Ha <laughs> ha, sucker. That's another Booker T story. That's just, you know, this is what I imagine he does. You know, here's another one. One night. Michael Cole, you need to know this. I remember old, good old JR used to be down here. He had his, his face, he had that palsy and it made his face all hanging. I'm like, holy shit, what his face be hanging for? Then who do I see? Dave Batista in the grocery store. What happens? I go up Dave Batista. He's he's sitting around. He's got his buggy. He's just buying stuff. He's just casual as all hell. He come up to me. He's like, hey, book, how you doing? Have you ever tried these particular taquitos before I says to him I says Dave you don't know what you're talking about coming up with me being all the beast and everything like that what are you gonna do give me a Batista bomb here he says no I'm just grocery shopping I get what I do is I take his cart I tip his cart over right there at the grocery store I get a bag a bag of them frozen peas and I I open the peas I start dumping them everywhere Batista looking at me like I'm crazy but I know what he's thinking he's thinking he's about to lay down some awesome beast bombs on people right now so I do me a spin a rooney in the peas sucker and then I get on out of dodge that's what I do oh that was very interesting book you got any more stories for us you know what I do got one more one this one night I get out of the shower I'm right as soon as I get out of the shower I'm like I wonder what Miz is doing so I go straight from the shower grab my car keys go get in my car drive from Houston Texas out to the Miz's house out there in lovely Hollywood, California. And I'm buck-ass naked. I go up to Miz's door. I knock on Miz's door. I start pounding on it. Miz comes to the door. He look at me. He like, 
book. What are you doing here? Put your drawers on. I said, Miz, what are you doing? He's like, I'm wanting you to put your drawers on. So I, what do I do? I do I'm standing in his driveway. I do a spinning Rooney, get gravel burns right out my backside. He's like, oh, he's like, book, don't do that. I see your dick be flapping around. I go, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time WCW champion, sucker. I get back in my car and drive back to Houston, Texas. I run out of gas in Arizona. That's a true story. That happened to me. My best friend, The Miz. He's my bestest friend. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a little... Those are some Booker T stories. And, you know, not that I think Booker's not a phenomenal wrestler back in his day and not a good uh, announcer, but it just seems like those are the kind of stories he would tell. Like, oh, yeah, The Miz showed up tonight. He arrived in a car, and he came inside the building. I was like, whew, impressed the hell out of me. It's like he he showed up in a car, and he came in a building, and Booker T would be overtly impressed by that. Um, What else do we got? What else we got? Oh, I got some new cat stuff for you. Uh, my cat loves to be in boxes, like, and plastic bags. Like, you buy, we, we bought those little cat toys that you throw around the cat's supposed to pot and play. It ignores them. It ignores them. But, if we get home from grocery shopping and we leave plastic bag on the ground, the cat will crawl into the plastic bag and, like, you know, twist itself around. And I think it's actually trying to, like, asphyxiate itself and suffocate itself in the plastic bag. Because that's, uh, that's how the cat does. It also, uh, Every time it takes one of its horribly stinking cat shits, it likes to knock all the litter possible out of its litter box onto onto the, the, the clean, mopped hardwood floors instead of into the litter box to cover up the, the, the stink of its cat shit. It does that. Um, it's uh, I'm going to go on now and try to explain how, like, if my cat went missing, if our cat went missing and someone was going to help me track down the cat, but I didn't have a photograph to show them of what it looked like, how would I describe this cat to them? And I, I, it would go like this. It would be like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's, uh, it's cat-shaped. Um, it it kind of like Cronenberged. Like it looks like it's been through the, um, like the telepods, Jeff Goldblum's telepods from the fly. Uh, it's, got, uh, it's got a sluggish belly because it's all bloated with uh, with what I can assume is worm or parasites and um, oh it's got an asshole that kind of it's, it's cat asshole kind of looks like um, one of those cigarette burns like if someone goes and puts a cigarette out on there on your arm or a cigar burn on your arm that's what his butt looks like so have, have you seen anything that resembles this at all and if they say yes then they then they've seen my cat um, you know what I want to do right now what I'm gonna do right now for you my friends and neighbors, is I'm going to pop on to Urban Dictionary, and we're going to just type in a word, and any word that I can think of, and we're going to see what the Urban Dictionary says. Cat stuff, can you not sit on my notes, please? Jesus. And we're just going to see what the Urban Dictionary says about, you know, any any words, what they what their definition is of them. So, here we go. Urban Dictionary. UrbanDictionary.com. And if it loads, we'll tell you what it says. Okay, so let's see. I think the word, let's just type in any word. What's the first word that comes to mind? How about look? Look. Okay. Top definition of Urban Dictionary for the word look is piece in an Asian chess set that is also called a castle. My look took your prawn. I win. (laughs) 
by Bartleby on March 22nd, 2005. Okay, so check it out. Look. The word look. Definition 2. A condescending way to change the topic of conversation or line of questioning, predominantly used by politicians when answering tough questions. It subtly, it subtly put, puts the person on asking question on back for not asking the right question. Uh, what's another word? What's another word? Ah, okay. How about balloons? Let's let's see what Urban Dictionary's got for balloons. B a l l o o n s, balloons. Okay. Urban Dictionary top definition for the word balloons is, and I'm quoting, a man who is fascinated with large-breasted women who, as a child, was deprived of breast milk and was bottle-fed. That is the top definition. They give an example of how it's used. Look at fatty drool over that over that chest. He's a balloons. That's just bad grammar. Balloon. Heroin supplier. A penny balloon that contains narcotics. That's their definition of balloon. Not, 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 you know, the delightful item that you fill with helium and it flies, you know, floats away, but, you know, heroin dealer. Uh, let's see. Slang for a condom. Number five. Slang for a condom. I gotta get a balloon on before my girl gets out of that bathroom. What? What the fuck? That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. Let's look up another word. You know, let's look up my name. Let's see what Chad says. Let's see what Urban Dictionary has in there for Chad. Uh Uh-uh, wait, I'm a Chadwick. My full name is Chadwick. So let's look up Chadwick. Okay, here we go. Top definition. Chadwick. A person who will happily allow another to stay at their dwelling for a limited time without expectations of compensation. So apparently... Just the top definition of my name means that if you need a place to crash, I'm the guy, apparently. So, I wasn't certain I'd make it home safely, but thanks for being such a Chadwick and letting me crash at your house. That's how they say on Urban Dictionary it's it's used. That's not how it's used by me. I use it, you know, as what I answer to. Uh, someone who loves penguins and zombies is also a definition. A really fart really fart, Jesus Christ. A really smart, funny, sexy guy who has the best laugh and can make you anyone feel like they've been friends for years. That party last night was totally a Chadwick dance party. Oh, man, okay. I, I can't agree with that one. Ooh, a very sexy Englishman with a huge dick that will pleasure any and every girl. Chadwick. I li- You know what? I like where Urban Dictionary is going with my name. Uh, oh, Chadwick, the name given to the final urination of the day, usually before going to bed, often referred to in relation to its weight. A heavy Chadwick is considered more manly than a light Chadwick. Jesus Christ. Chadwick, a pimp mobile installer who has huge testicles that are contained in an even more impressive potato-like satchel. That's definition number five. Uh... Okay, here's Chadwick. Cum that dries and sticks to bed sheets and the tip of a male's dick, forcing him to tear them apart like candle from a, like wax from a candle. <laughs> Chadwick, a disgusting creature, consuming large amounts of food as in lit- as in as little time as possible, and the term for having sexual intercourse with ugly girls after a night of heavy drinking, also referred to as pulling a chatters. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's uh, let's check out some other names. How about Roy? What does Roy bring us whenever we're on Urban Dictionary? Hmm. 
Hmm. Roy is, oh, definition number one. Fuck you, Roy. An amazing, loving, kind, full, full guy. He is a protective, he is a protective, it says this, when it comes to those he loves and especially to his partner. He is kind, intelligent, lovable. He sometimes feels guilty for things that aren't his fault. At times he is sensitive and shy, but only happens, this only happens when he's uncomfortable. That's Roy. Another definition is a badass. Everyone wants to be him or his place. His name have power and gives person named Roy the winning attitude. Also cocky, but nobody's perfect. That's the definition. It says this. That's by Anonym Girl from September 10th, 2012. Roy, noun, a male given name. Also, little known Peanuts character introduced in 1965 and was the best friend of Peppermint Patty. Roy, adjective, to be Roy is to be sick, awesome, fit, next level. Roy is an adjective of someone who is highly appeasing, attractive, funny, happy, a good friend, or someone you like. Originating from Lowenborough University, it was created by Andy Rich and John to describe those who lived by Royce Hall that were fit. Since then, the adjective has evolved into the current meaning. To be used properly, you're so Roy, you're so Roy, is how they say that you gotta use it. Okay, let's pick another name. Let's pick another name. Uh, how about Brandon? How about we go with Brandon? Brandon. Best boyfriend a girl can ever have. This is definition on Urban Dictionary for Brandon. Best boyfriend a girl can ever have. A Brandon is romantic. Brandons like to do cute romantic things, such as bring you a surprise at work. Just because. Amazing in bed. Dates girls that are similar to Brandon... <laughs> dates girls that are similar to Brandon. To be a Brandon means you need to find girls that are similar to being a Brandon. Because Brandons are fun and Brandons enjoy having fun. Damn, she is a Brandon. She's so lucky. He's a sexy Brandon. Okay, let's look for another name. What 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 name should I come up with? Ah, you know what? This one goes out to my old buddy Grimace. Let's look up the name Grimace and see what Urban Dictionary has to say about that. Grimace. When an extremely fat or large pear-shaped person wears too tight clothing, the clothes that are typically purple in color. Look at that Grimace over there. Next one. Grimace. Grimace is a big, loving, fuzzy purple fellow who is Ronald McDonald's best friend. He's sure Ronald is the world's ultimate <laughs> ultimate authority on everything. While Grimace loves all of McDonald's food, he's absolutely, absolutely crazy about milkshakes. Grimace is very enthusiastic and eager to try new things. His joyous spirit helps everyone overlook the fact that he's a little slow and clumsy sometimes. Next one. The facial expression used when a person is in deep thought about something mischievous. A term for hanging or a term for hanging out? What are you guys up to? Ah, oh, we're gonna meet up in Grimace. I'll tell you fucking what. We're just gonna hang out with Grimace. we're just gonna hang out in Grimace. A lovable McDonald's character who loves milkshakes. Okay, well, you know what, Grim, yours is mostly uh mostly good stuff. How about how about we look up the name Kevin? Let's look up the name Kevin. Hmm? How about Kevin? Basically, Kevin, top definition, by Derby Academy Girl, January 28th, 2008. Kevin, basically a kid with a huge dick. Looks great, smells great, and all the ladies want him. He's great at sports also. Great sense of humor. Kevin, a male that performs great intercourse at females. At them. The other night, my boyfriend performed a Kevin on me. All right.
That's that's what? I like that it said at females. Like he's not doing it to them. He's just doing it in their general direction. Uh, okay, let's see. Kevin, someone who has probably porked your mom. <laughs> someone who has probably porked your mom. Here, I always thought that was a grimace. Uh, let's see. Kevin, a Portuguese a, a Portuguese man or slang for penis. Whoa, what a Kevin. All right. Next name, next name. Let's go to some female names. Let's try uh, Rhonda. Let's try Rhonda because that's a name you don't uh, really know. Oh, okay. Top definition. This is a paragraph, so bear with me. To know a Rhonda is to love a Rhonda. A Rhonda is a true kick-ass chick. She usually talks major shit. In fact, she talks a lot of shit. Aranda is the consummate ride-or-die friend. She prizes loyalty as the hallmark of true friendship. Aranda is usually eccentric, strong-willed, independent, artistic, expressive, loving, nurturing, fearless, impulsive, and restless. Jesus Christ, that sounds like my fiancé. My fiancé is a fucking Rhonda. Rondas thrive in matters of the heart make awesome lovers, and love to set the stage for romance and intrigue. Rondas can be a little crazy, but in all the right ways. They can also be the most sensible voice of reason. But just depends. Rondas love to be in the company of others, and yet deserve time alone as well. They definitely march to the beat of their own drum. A Rondas ultimate fantasy is to be a spy and a diamond thief. Specifically, spy and diamond thief. Or to protect kids... Feed the old, it doesn't say old what, it could be referring to anything, any species out there. Like, if you're just old, then, you know, they want to feed you. Cuddle with their lover and shop endlessly. Buy a Rhonda wine, flowers, perfume, jewelry, jewels, or a car, and she's all yours. Next definition for a Rhonda. A wise soul with a great back tattoo. <laughs> A wise soul with a great back tattoo by 8, the number 8, SEC, S-E-C, August 25th, 2010. Well, 8, SEC, you must know some Rondas. A wise soul with a great back tattoo. Uh, let's check out a, um, let's check out a Laura. Laura, how do I spell Laura? A-L-A-U-R-A, I think? Yeah, okay. Laura, a name usually fit to describe a young, attractive, classy woman. Young in the sense that no matter what age she is, she still has a fine imagination. She is an exotic physical beauty. Laura is the most beautiful woman in the world. She's smart, generous, and forgiving. The type of girl that lights up a dull room. Humble confidence rates off her with every step. She is the golden standard for what it means to be a woman. Strong, compassionate, and absolutely breathtaking. Her beauty will cut you leaving you sweating and at a loss for words. She is, by definition, a perfect girl. This is by Boston Bird, January 18th, 2015. And to whoever this Laura he's defining is, holy shit, this guy's stalking you. Uh, Okay, let's look up Uncle... Let's look up Uncle Jerry. Let's see what Uncle Jerry brings to the table on Urban Dictionary. Uncle Jerry... Uh, uh, Uncle Jerry. Alright. Looking up Uncle Jerry on Urban Dictionary. First definition I see. Uncle Jerry, the act of defecating in your pants caused by intoxication and smearing your feces all over a friend's bedroom, desk, and even your friend. Hey, Tony, let's go to Steve's house and give him an Uncle Jerry. (laughs) What the fuck? 
also see it. It tells you right here. Also see a Cleveland steamer, Alaskan pipeline, dump truck, chili jogger, boss, and pancake. Um, someone apparently, <laughs> Uncle Jerry, the new nickname of Alan Coulter, the announcer of the Late Show with David Letterman. This is usually when he uses his street talk to try to sound like a gangster and calls host uh, David Letterman DL. Uh, okay, let's try Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. Everybody's got an Uncle Joe. Let's see what Uncle Joe's all about. Uncle Joe, a slacker who's insecure. He makes fun of people with braces, picks on little kids, lives to eat, and is a workaholic. He's also a very happy person. That's what an Uncle Joe is, according to Urban Dictionary. I have an Uncle Joe, and he's nothing like that. <laughs> Uncle Joe, the, another definition here by The Man of the Wise, February 27th, 2015. Uncle Joe, the one uncle that gives away money and has a weird obsession with airplanes. Number six. Definition number six. An Uncle Joe, farts when done when you're peeing at the urinal. Urinal. Men lined up at the urinal at the football game and someone lets a fart rip. Hey, Uncle Joe is here. Jesus Christ. Okay, you know what? That's enough Urban Dictionary for me for tonight. And uh, recently uh, got into a discussion with an uh, old friend of mine by the name of Andy Roberts, who uh, I hadn't seen in a long time. We ran into each other at Walmart. And while we were up there, we started talking about this show. And he, uh, he's, he, you know, he's become a fan. He wants to guest host with me, which that's coming down the uh, line as soon as he uh, gets get some shit together, and, uh, you know, he'll be guest hosting with me, but we were talking for a short bit up there uh, that night about Morgan Freeman should narrate, he's like, oh man, I, I haven't seen you in so long, it's like a reunion, it's like, I feel like no Morgan Freeman should be narrating this right now, and that got me thinking a little bit about, it. I want Norman Morgan Freeman to just, uh, I keep almost saying Norman Bates, I just want to make that clear for anybody that's listening and hearing me say Norman, I don't know why I keep almost saying Norman Bates, but I keep almost saying Norman Bates. Uh, anyway, I think Morgan Freeman, that's his name, the African-American actor, not the cross-dressing psychopath, uh, should just narrate random events. He should just show up and just be required to, to narrate things like, oh, you're, you're listening to Christmas music at the house and you're building up your Christmas tree. It was a long time since Chad had put the lights on the tree. Almost 365 days had passed since the last time. He took great pride in his Christmas tree, and just so on and so forth. And then I think he should also end every narration or every speech he does by saying Andy Dufresne from, um, from Shawshank Redemption. He should just be like, thus is life, the li but the, sun, the world keeps turning and the sun will rise tomorrow. Andy Dufresne. And just end it with Andy Dufresne. Like, that's his stamp, that's his exclamation point on things, that's his period, is Andy Dufresne. And, uh, you know, and I, I realized that I want uh, Morgan Freeman to just, I, I, if I had the money, if I were a rich person and got paid to do this show, which is a lifelong dream of mine rather than actually getting up and going to work like regular people, but uh, if I got paid to do this show and had just money just to, to blow, I, I think I would hire Morgan Freeman to just follow me around and narrate my life for a day. And uh, I, I, I recommend that if anybody else has that kind of aspiration, who would you have narrate your life for a day? Would it be um, Morgan Freeman like me? Would it be Samuel L. Jackson? I think that would be a lot rougher, and uh, but just equally as entertaining. Would, would you maybe uh, resurrect Sir, Sir uh, Richard Attenborough, Lord Richard Attenborough, for, who played uh, John Hammond in Jurassic Park, and have him narrate your life like he did in a lot of the... Um, 
documentaries about uh, fucking penguins in South America and shit. How about that? Who would narrate your life? Who would narrate a day in your life? Who would you want to have to be the narrator of a day of your life? And, uh, you know, let me know. Get on the Facebook page and let me know who you'd like to narrate your life. For me, it's definitely Morgan Freeman. Uh, he's got like a dry sounding voice, but it's also set, he's got a lot of passion. And, uh, you know, he, he's the kind of person that he, he speaks very softly. But when he speaks, you listen. And, you know, he could say anything. He could be like, that field over yonder is filled as far as the eye can see with corn. And you want to know about this corn. You want to know what's happened in that field. Who planted the corn? Was it a farmer? Did the farmer hurt, bust out his shoulder doing this? Did his son grow up to regret him? Or um, to, like, you know, regret that? And, uh, you know, his son doesn't want anything to do with him because he couldn't play ball? He couldn't throw catch with him uh, growing up? What, what happened? What, tell me more about the corn, Morgan Freeman. If anybody else came up to me and's like, oh, yeah, there's a field over there. It's got a shitload of corn in it. It's like, okay, you know. What, what else is new? But Morgan Freeman says that I want to know the backstory. I want to know the history of this field and the corn and, you know, what, what went on there. So I think that should be a thing. Um, I also think he should narrate bedtime stories. Like, uh, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Stars, I think pretty much the standard. And, uh, you know, I can hear Morgan in my head narrating that. But I'd like to hear him, like, narrate, like, um, you know, there was an episode I did a while back where I broke down children's stories and, like, you know, nighttime stories for what they actually were but maybe have Morgan Freeman read Goldilocks and the Three Bears maybe have him throw a little bit of his own Morgan Freemanness into it and what would that be um, speaking of that there is actually you can find this on YouTube and I recommend uh, you all go and give this a listen there is a, a children's book out there uh, a children's good night bedtime story book out there that was geared towards adults more as a joke and Samuel L. Jackson narrates it. It's called Go the Fuck to Sleep. It's a real thing. Go to YouTube, put Samuel L. Jackson reads, Go the Fuck to Sleep. It's fucking hysterical. And uh, anybody that is a parent will un completely understand all these feelings. I don't care how much you love your child. I love my child with all my heart. I would die for my child. I would kill for my child. But I read this and I'm like, yep. I, or I heard that I heard Samuel Jackson re reading this book aloud, and I'm like, "Yep, I get, I, I understand every single one of those emotions." So I recommend that you all go uh, give that a little bit of listen. Um, I think personally that we should all be getting more tattoos, but not just regular tattoos. Like everybody's, you know, tattoos were a big thing, and they're still a big thing, and there's a whole tattoo culture. And tattoos are very fucking cool and pretty awesome. You know, I've got two myself, and I'm amazed that they're going to be 35 years old that I don't have more. Um, my fiancé has about, uh, how many do you have? Eight? Nine? Like nine, right? I'm going to go with nine. If you have more, we'll just, I'll, you know, I was, I'll say I was wrong. I don't care. Anyways, I think she's got nine. And um, so... I think that we should all be getting more tattoos, but I think that we should be getting, like, more just absurd, funny, random tattoos. Like, I have a friend who, um, you know, I, I his name is, his first name's Bill, and that's all I'm going to say, or William. He's a, his brother was a good buddy of mine in high school, and I got to be good friends with his younger brother, Bill, too, and Billy's a funny guy. But uh, Billy's first tattoo was literally the words, my first tattoo. His second tattoo was a number two. So, I mean, like, there was a theme there, but it was funny. It's like you could look at it and you could get a few chuckles. And I think that we should all be doing more ideas like that. Like, you know, why not get like, why not get like your body labeled like, uh, you know, that old, 
Da Vinci painting of the, you know, the architecture of the man, he's in the circle and everything, and it labels all the body parts, why not just go through and, like, have, like, you know, your bicep just labeled bicep for no reason? Particularly if you're a really thin guy like me, having the word bicep on my lack thereof of muscular bicep is fucking hilarious. And, uh, you know what, I think that's a good idea. I'm gonna write that one down. I might do that. But, um... You know, it'd, it'd be some fun. I think I want to see some more funny tattoos out there. And if you've got funny tattoos or you've seen some funny tattoos, then let me know. You know, I have a friend who's a tattoo artist. Uh, his name is, uh, you know what, a cheap, uh, I'm going to plug them right now. He's a hybrid tattoo down in Plumborough on two eight, Route 286 behind Kings. Uh, the artist there, his name is Matt Miller. He's a fantastic fucking artist. He's a fantastic fucking tattoo artist. You should see some of the guy's fucking work. And I'd like to see him, I'd like him to ha- be on the show eventually. Maybe we could just discuss weird, funny tattoos that he's seen or done himself. And that would be, I think that would make for a fun episode somewhere down the line. You know, we could get uh, a few people who are all inked up and just, uh, you know, bullshit about ink. That'd be fun. Um, also, moving on, if we're going to get into, like, weird tattooing, then I want to see some, I want to see some, like, real 80s throwbacks. I know the 80s are big, you know, like, the throwback 80s, oh, there's a lot of shit. Even my logo for the Element of Surprise is itself is an 80s throwback with, like, the background and, like, the triangle and such. And, like, that, like, futuristic past, like, outer space. But, uh, you know, if we're going to bring back the 80s, I want to do it right. You know, we need to be bringing back feathered mullets uh, and, like, 1980s glam band hair. Um, I want to also bring back, like, col- like men wearing, like, colorful spandex jumpsuits and scarves at the same time. And, like, the scarves cannot just be around their neck. They've got to be, like, also tied around the waist like a pirate or, like, uh, like wrapped up around their wrist. May, may have a whole sleeve of scarves going up to your, your bright pink spandex jumpsuit with the, uh, with the triangles and polka dots on it or the zebra stripes while you have your feathered mother mullet blowing your feathered mother. Your feathered mother. That sounds like a uh, that sounds like a sitcom. I'm getting off track. Uh, while they have your their feathered mullets blowing in the wind, I think that way, if we're gonna bring back the '80s, do it that way, do it right. And leg warmers, leg warmers need to come back too, and uh, scrunchies, and um, ladies, help me out out here. What was that uh, hairstyle where it was crimped, crimped, crimped hair, crimped hair for the ladies in the side ponytail, side ponytail, crimped hair. Um, <coughs> Okay, so, you know, those are just some of the topics I thought I'd bring up before we got into the, t- the, the main event here of RoboCop versus the Terminator. That's right, I just did with my mouth the, the Terminator song. I did it again. Um, okay, so like I said, I've spent way too much time in my 35 years on this earth thinking about who would win a fight between RoboCop and the Terminator. And, you know, it all started with, like, the Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800 against, you know, the Alex Murphy RoboCop, played by, uh, respectively, Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Peter Weller. You know, going back to uh, 84 and 87, I believe, respectively. But, uh, you know, as it's grown, you know, and time goes on, they rebooted the Terminator franchise more, and it's failed Every reboot has failed more times than I can count now. Uh, they tried rebooting Robocop, so, you know, it doesn't need to be the original actors. But, you know, I think there's a real there's a real story at heart here. And it really makes sense if you think about it. And I'm going to tell you why right now. So, here is my outline. Here is my outline for what I think the Robocop versus Terminator movie should be. 
And then after I get through this, we'll talk a little bit about each party and what their pros and cons are. And, you know, what, what basically we'll do a whole tale of the tape for Robocop and Terminator. But uh, here's my Robocop versus Terminator film plot outline right now. So. Cyberdyne Systems, which, as you know, created Skynet and the Terminators, purchases the failing OCP Corporation, which built the Robocop and the ED-209, and uses its extensive military contracts and advanced robotics programs to facilitate production of their Skynet Global Defense uh, Program, which, you know, helps them build Skynet. Uh, They use a lot of the diagnostics from the Robocop program, being that they had created a living cyborg with Alex Murphy's brain, to come up with the AI program that becomes Skynet. Um, it's critical in bringing Skynet online. So, of course, you know, here comes the Terminator franchise. Skynet becomes self-aware, initiates Judgment Day, the rise of the machines, that whole bit. Uh, the Resistance rises up, led by John Connor, to fight Skynet and the Terminators that are trying to wipe out humanity. So, Faction of the Resistance is in uh, the remains of what used to be Detroit. And they come across... Robocop in mothballs. I mean, he's disassembled. He's not, you know, he barely works. But they, 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 you know, somebody gets the idea to rebuild him, and uh, you know, they, they. I don't know who just gets the. I haven't figured that part out yet. But anyway, they rebuild him, and uh, you know, Robocop's a Robocop. He's got the the three directives: serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. So everything that Skynet's doing goes against those directives, and Robocop decides to aid the Resistance. But, uh, you know, some in the Resistance, because they're fighting these cybernetic machines, they don't trust him fully. Uh, he's more machine than man, and they compare him negatively to the Terminators that they're fighting against. Uh, but he, he aids the Resistance. You know, following Directive 2, protect the innocent. Uh, Skynet is found to actually, later in the story, Skynet is actually found to be responsible for Robocop's uh, reactivation, and it had some Terminators move him there and put him on a standby rather than full shutdown, because it had planted a uh, secret fourth directive, Terminate John Connor. You know, it's trying to use Robocop as like a, uh, as like a background, already on the inside, secret Terminator. But, you know, Robocop, he's he's more human than a Terminator. He's He's got a human side to him that he's not just machine covered with uh, cyber with with flesh tissues like a terminator he's 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 got a brain in there alex murphy's in there so he resists the fourth directive and uh you know doesn't kill john connor he helps them go after skynet he's vital in them breaking into uh the skynet mainframe and using their final attack uh skynet sends its uh Terminator's out there to fight and resist. It sends a uh, Terminator back through time to kill Sarah Connor, leading to the events of the first Terminator movie. John Connor sends Kyle Reese through to protect her. Uh, that sets up Terminator, the first original Terminator, perfectly. Now, here's where things get a little confusing, but cool. Skynet knows it's lost. It has already foreseen this possible outcome even though it seemed unlikely. And it has built itself a very highly advanced Terminator body, which, not the best name, but for lack of a better name, I'm going to just call it T-Skynet right now. Or the TS. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Or the TS. So, you know, Skynet, uh, the TS, also goes back through time while uh, Robocop is fighting off a horde of Terminator skeletons, which eventually overpower and defeat him. Uh, In the Resistance, unknown to Robocop, but known to uh, 
John Connor and uh, us, the viewer, one of the main Resistance members is Corporal James Murphy, Alex Murphy's now adult son, sees what has, you know, is paying attention to what has happened and goes back through time himself to kind of warn RoboCop in the past that, you know, of what's going on and maybe try to stop OCP from being bought out by Cyberdyne. Maybe this will prevent Judgment Day. So, uh, we go back to that narrative now where he's in the past. He meets up with a, you know, a younger, fully functional, not old, d- dis- you know, disabled, run-down version of RoboCop. Um, the TS shows up. It doesn't have its army of uh, Terminator skeletons, uh, T-800 skeletons now to defend it. And it fights RoboCop. So RoboCop is essentially fighting Skynet incarnate. But it's Skynet alone. Because it doesn't have any of its other shit. And Robocop, as we know, he's fought and defeated highly advanced machines before. So it's kind of a fair battle. You know, they fight. uh, Robocop wins. The timeline is secured. The TS is destroyed. Judgment Day is supposedly adverted. And go to the credits. Mid-credit scene shows OCP employees working in one of their labs on the remains of the TS. A schematic is seen in the background that reads... Robocop Mark IV, uh, the TS's eye, one eye lights up red, we cut to black, finish the credits, and, uh, you know, clearly the ter- both, t- both timelines go on. And, you know, they can go wherever they want from there. But that was my outline. If you liked that, let me know. Now let's do the tale of the tape, going back to the original Alex Murphy, Peter Weller, Alex Murphy, Robocop, versus the original Terminator, T1, the 1984 Terminator, T-800 Terminator. Uh, tail of the tape. What is, what's going on? Well, Terminator is remorseless. It's got one, one directive, and that is terminate Sarah Connor. It, uh, to quote the movie directly, to, co- to quote Kyle Reese, it can't be argued with, it can't be bargained with, and it will not stop until she is dead. And he doesn't know if they can kill it with the weaponry of their time. Let's go to Robocop. He has three directives. Protect the public, or, um, yeah, serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. So, you know, he's got to act within the parameters of the law. Other than that, he's free to, you know, move, uh, move as he sees fit. And um, any, any, if he resists any of these directives, usually it would result in semi-shutdown. You know, we know that his human side, having that Alex Murphy brain and memories and that heart and that drive, he can resist that a little bit, but, uh, you know, there, there, there it is. So, on one hand, you have a, a machine that is that looks like a man who's there to terminate. It is a terminator. It is built to destroy. On the other hand, you have a man who is turned into a machine who's there to protect. So, I mean, just based on those two facts alone, they're destined to fight. And I'm amazed that it's it from the 80s up until now with all the Freddy vs. Jasons and Alien vs. Terminators or Alien vs. Predators and shit that we haven't gotten a Robocop vs. Terminator first off. Secondly, who would win? Who would win that fight? The original Robocop versus the original Terminator, who would win? My money ultimately goes to Robocop, and I understand that is not going to be a popular decision. But as I said, 
Robocop has beaten advanced machinery before. I mean, he beat the Ed 209. Go to Robocop 2. He beat a he beat the uh, the Robocop 2 robot that was uh, the bad guy from earlier in the film. But uh, you know, it was way more advanced and upgraded than he was. He found a way to beat that. So I my money's on Robocop. I think he could do it. Now, would it be easy? No. Identifying the Terminator would be very difficult for him. You know, how, could he attack it in human form if it was doing nothing wrong? Because it would look human and that would go against his directives. I don't know. But I, whereas the Terminator could, of course, attack him freely. But upon attacking him, that would allow Robocop's uh, programming to defend himself. Plus, he's got that human side to him that the Terminator lacks. My money ultimately goes to Robocop. That's who I think the winner would be. And, um, you know... This was a short episode. I had fun doing it, though, and I, I sincerely want your feedback on this one. I want to know who you think would win and why. Who would win in the Robocop versus Terminator battle? And um, ultimately, you know, ultimately why? And, you know, it, I want to know what you think of my outline as well, because if I, if I got to sit down and write that script, I will. You know, if that's my out to being able to do this 24-7, doing this uh, podcast, each day, that every day of my life for the rest of my life, then yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll do what it takes, because I would love to, I would love to make money at this. I would love this to be my job. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, before I let you go, um, again, December second, right around the corner. That is the Star Wars Last Jedi celebration event. Uh, we're just going to talk all things Star Wars for as long as we can, and uh, you know, prep for, you know, prep and celebrate in, you know. Celebration of The Last Jedi, which comes out on uh, December 15th, 2018 this year. And, uh, you know, just kind of look forward to it. So if you want to come to that, get on the Facebook page. Let me know. Go to the uh, go to the Element of Surprise page. Check out our events. Let me know if you want to be part of that. Um, I'm still thinking about doing a live New Year's Eve show. I'm not positive whether or not I'm going to do that, but we're getting to December. So I guess I better make a fucking decision. Um few months back, I said uh, something about wanting to do another rap battle contest, and uh, I think maybe that's going to be February or March of next year. And then, of course, in April was WrestleMania time, so we're pro- I'm probably going to try to do a WrestleMania-themed thing, maybe have WrestleMania and do live commentary over the, the, the event itself. I don't know. We'll find out. You know, t- time will tell. Uh, before I let you go, uh, of course, the... Uh, Time to plug some of the other shows out there. Check out A Fireside Chat, hosted by Ryan McCormick. Um, Coming soon as well, Ryan and Tiffany Moore will be doing High Five, which I'm looking forward to. Um, There's also More Than You Can Chew. Um, Let me try that again. More Than You Can Chew with Tiffany Moore. Uh, There's the McSauce comic book podcast with Ian, Paul, and Matt. And then there's Case in Point with Justin Case. Uh, Check those out. Come back, check out our uh, Podomatic page, our Facebook page. I put all the links up there. Come back for future episodes of The Element of Surprise. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. My name is Chadwick Suet. Thank you. Have a good night. I'm going to leave you out with, but get this, get this. I have sat here painstakingly over the past few weeks and edited what I think would be a great theme song for a RoboCop versus Terminator movie. It uses both characters' themes from both movies. I, you know, it's all edited in there nicely. It would be great to hit over the credits. Basically, as I told you, that mid-credit scene in my little layout, this would be where the credits hit all the way up to the mid-credit scene. <sighs> well, okay. Had a lot of fun doing this episode, and uh, it was a little different from what uh, 
you know, we normally do here, but, you know, I, it was something I was passionate about, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed telling you about it. I want to talk about it more with you guys um, somewhere down the line, so let me know what you think, and we can discuss Robocop versus the Terminator or any other versus scenario you want to do. Other than that, thanks for being a part of this episode with me, everybody, and uh, I'll be back.